check it out. In this episode, we talk to Belle Connor from Carer Recruitment at ACT Together, a wonderful foster care organisation here in Canberra. We'll hear stories from foster carers themselves and you can find out how you can get involved and foster a child in need. Check it out. LGBTIQA+. Community. Health. Action. Check it out. Is brought to you by Meridian. From Canberra. For everyone. Tell me a little bit about uh, ACT Together. So ACT Together is the foster care consortium for the ACT and we provide uh, lots of different types of care for over 700 children in the ACT. I'm Belle from the carer recruitment team at ACT Together. And what does carer recruitment involve? So we have the pleasure of finding, recruiting, training and assessing foster carers. It's a great job and we love hearing people's stories and we love making a difference in the lives of the children. Tell me, Belle, uh, how many children are in, in care? So in the ACT locally, we have over 700 children in care and that care that's needed might be for one night up to forever, a forever family. Some of the people we've spoken with have, have talked about different types of care. Would, would you be happy to run us through the, those different types of care? Sure. So we have four different types of care at ACT Together. We have respite care, which is a really important and valuable type of care. So that is caring for a child one weekend a month to give them a little bit of an experience of feeling um, a sense of fun and belonging with another family. We have short-term or emergency care, so that's a really crisis type of care. So that often can be perhaps in the middle of the night and we need the child um, to be taken care of safely until a better plan can be made for them. So that might be the three o'clock phone call for one or two nights. We have concurrency care, which is dual planning for children who are under the age of two. So hopefully they can be restored home to their birth family because we always aim to have children restored where safe to their birth family. But if that's not possible, we ask those carers to come forward as their permanent family. And we also have long-term care. So that is for children who the court have deemed that unfortunately can't be returned home safely to their birth family, that they need a family forever. So lots of different types of care. Can foster carers nominate what type of care they'd like to to be involved in? They sure can. So the carer recruitment team will work with what it looks like and what commitments they have that are existing and we will work together to identify what type of care would suit them best as well as what uh, type of care they're motivated to provide. So uh, you're not locked in for any particular type of care. You can change if your circumstance change, but we would love to hear from anyone who's interested in providing care because we have types of care that will suit all families. Is there a particular type of care that's most needed at the moment? You talked about 700, 700 little ones, young people, um, children in, in out-of-home care at the moment. Is there a particular type of care needed needed right now? All types of care are always needed. We have a shortage of foster carers in the ACT. The uh, At the moment, our priority is finding carers for sibling groups and for children who are aged in primary school and above. Um, and what training uh, and ongoing support is, is offered by ACT Together? So we have an amazing three-day foster care training, which gives the applicants a really good understanding of the trauma that the children might have experienced and how to respond best to them. We then have ongoing training once you're approved as a foster carer, and we have a different uh, training scheduled both internally and externally throughout the year. We have the therapeutic services team, which comes from the Australian Childhood Foundation. They support uh, the carers to work with the children that are in their care and respond to their needs in the best way that they can. 
We have a 24-hour on-call line, so any carers that are having any difficulty out of hours can access that support. A really exciting part of Act Together is that we have a carer support team. So each carer is matched with a carer support worker who will help you to maybe have a vent if you've had a hard day or to reassure you that you're doing an amazing job and to establish what your family needs to make the best and most positive caring experience for you. Some of the carers uh, we've spoken with talked uh, about uh, social groups and, and peer groups. Does Act Together support? How do, how, how, how do they form? Well, the best way to form is through informal coffee groups that we have or coming along to those trainings throughout the year. That's a really good way to meet people that are um, providing similar type of care to yourself or people that you connect with. We know that it's really valuable for carers to connect with other carers because they understand those unique pressures that uh, families might be experiencing. Um, But they also can help out if you have to maybe go to a meeting for an hour and often... um, it's really important for the children in out-of-home care to also be able to have friendships with other kids that are like them that are not living with their birth family. What qualities are needed in foster care as well? Um, well, you don't have to be a superhero to be a foster care a foster carer. The people that we need to be foster carers are your listeners who are interested in providing care and interested in opening their hearts and homes to a child. We would like our carers to be fun, flexible, creative, and really have a strong commitment to children. But aside from that, we want carers that are as individual as everyone in our community, and we want different qualities in different people because children will get something from every adult in their life. So true. Why is it important to have carers of diverse sexualities, genders, and relationships? It's so important that the children feel that they can be supported in their homes to be themselves, love themselves, and love other people, to have their individuality Uh, celebrated and encouraged by their carers and we want carers uh, from the LGBTQIA plus community who can really support a child's sense of belonging and becoming and that's really important to a child's identity. Say someone's interested in care, what next? What next is that if anyone is interested in care, they should call 1300 We Foster or go to the Act Together website or like our Facebook page. There's lots of information on uh, how you can access our info sessions and a member of the recruitment team, will, which are really lovely, it's me by the way, will contact you to talk about what type of care might work for your family and we will support you through the training and assessment process and this time next year you could be caring for a child that's in need. Excellent. Belle, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for all the brilliant work you do. Um, I'm going home to talk to my husband (laughs) and continue our conversation uh, uh, about how we may be foster carers in the future. I'm putting you down for three children. Three children. (laughs) Let's talk about what will work for you. (laughs) I always said minimum of six. (laughs) Great. You're approved. Thanks so much for your time, Belle. Thank you. I'm Danny and I'm a foster carer. I do uh, emergency care, crisis care, respite, long term, and I've been a foster carer for about four years. Wow, yep. and all those types of care through that time? Uh, probably the last two years I've been doing permanent care of small children. Um, before that it was more just respite because I was still working full time, so um, then I just decided to take the plunge and leave my job and do full time stuff for small children. So. Cool. Can you tell us a little bit about respite care? Um, so respite care can be anything from like once a month to a weekend. And it's just about, I guess, helping out carers that need a bit of a break or children that need a little bit extra 
like a stimulation or something different of a weekend that you can provide for them, I guess. And why do you foster, Danny? I just think it's something that's so powerful to be able to help young children. Um, I work in the education system, so um, I think it's just another way that I can see people come to life and um, influence little people within this world, I guess. We still know that the biggest myth about foster care is that single people can't foster. Can single parent families foster? Of course. Like, you can be a single person and still foster. I mean, it's a little bit more sleepless and a little bit more tiring, but if you have amazing friends and family and supports around you, then you can do it for sure. I think one thing that I've learned is to find my voice and not to be afraid to ask for help. Um, I'm quite an independent person and I found it at the start to be a little bit tricky to ask for help if I, if I needed help because I thought, well, I've got myself into this. I need to do it by myself, but it's just so powerful being able to ask for help and for the help to be around you and people being so willing to be able to help you. But um, like no questions asked, especially if you've got relationships with a little person um, and the caseworkers are there to help you as well. So you kind of, yes, yeah, singly you're there to do it, I guess, at night time where there's no one around, but during the day and all that other stuff, there's so many people that can help you. But being single shouldn't throw you off being a foster carer because it's the best thing that I've ever done. I imagine it's even super rewarding and you don't have to yep. share that reward that's with right, everybody that's else. Right. It's like, I did that. I taught them how to do this. I taught them how to do that. Like, it's all me. Yeah, cool. Yeah. And those support networks, like they're... You know, it it takes a village, right? It takes a village. It sure does. And, I mean, I've got an amazing village. My family and my friends are the most important people around me. And um, the caseworkers that act together are just something that are so special as well. Okay. Why why are they so special? Tell me. Look, I've had some really amazing caseworkers. And I think for them just to be on the other end of the phone when you're having a really hard day and for something that hasn't gone quite right, for you to say, I need some help, or what do you think about this situation, or this has happened, they're always there, and they're always willing to help. That's excellent. That yeah. Must be really, really invaluable. Yeah, yeah. The caseworkers are just, I guess I formed really good relationships with them, and if you've got a really good relationship with your caseworker, it makes the whole difference in everything you do. Now, what legacy do you, are you leaving by fostering? Not only for the children you're caring for, but, but for yourself. Um, I think the legacy I leave for children is to know that they've been loved and cared for and cherished, um, whether it's for a short time that they're in my life or a long time. Um, I hope that they leave knowing what love is and I guess what family is. I, I also take a lot of photos. I love taking photos. Um, and so for the children that have kind of been with me for a longer period of time, I've done up photo books um, just to complete milestones so that when they leave and um, go to a new carer or go back to their birth families, they have this part of their life that they're with me in a book that's, I guess, not a hole in their life for when they get older. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Really cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I want one of those photo books for me. <laughs> They're amazing. They're just and I guess I get real enjoyment out of doing them as well. It sounds like a like a really um real life kind of concept of family that it, it yeah. you know can many different parts and times and roles yeah. and you know yeah. all together it's you know Yeah. Yeah, it's really special. 
People say that foster care can be overwhelming. You must be special to do what you do. But what do you say to that, that foster care can be overwhelming and you must be special to do what you do? Uh, look, I've, I've heard that a lot, especially because I've done a few restorations in the last two years and oh, I don't know how you do it and you're so amazing. I'm like, mm, I'm not really. Like, I'm just doing what I'm passionate about. I'm doing what I love is helping children. Um, yeah, for sure. It can be so overwhelming. I'm not denying that. But I think with the right supports, it can make it less overwhelming. So there's there's lots of like formal formal supports as well as kind of those informal networks that you've built as well and, yeah. and friendships. That's right. That's right. And so I did a, um, a quite extensive training with ACT Together. They've kind of changed their training model now. But we did 10 weeks of training on a Tuesday night. Yeah. And so from that, um, in the group, I've kind of developed like through really strong friendships with people. 10 weeks sounds, you know, like a... A lot of training involved yes, and a, a was, lot of... it was really good because we could develop those friendships. Yeah. Um, and we could develop really strong connections with each other. Do you want to tell us one great fostering story or two great fostering stories? Um, I think a great story for me is one of the placements I had. Um, I had for 15 months of this little person and she was a lot of my life. Like, I had, she was seven weeks when, when she first came to me. Um, but I think the special thing about this placement was the relationship that I had with her mum. This connection and this relationship I had with this little person's mum was so amazing. She was a young mum and I could be there with her during contact and we had a really open kind of communication style and the relationship we built I think will stay with me for such a long time. Um, it wasn't all smooth sailing like not by any stretch of the imagination um it does get hard at times but and there were times where i thought am i doing the right thing trying to connect with this mum as well as nurture and foster her her small baby but then i thought yep it was nice for that to be able to happen i think for us to be able to come together and not both parent her baby but for me to be able to, I guess, guide her and help her through the contacts about what a different cry meant and what she really wanted and and things like that. So because she was so young, you know, she maybe didn't know how to parent the way that she wanted to or yeah. she didn't know what a cry meant. Um, so that connection, I think, was, was was really great. And these opportunities feel like... They're a little bit easier to manage if you're really open to it. That's really powerful, really yeah. powerful. Yeah. And to have to have built that connection with that shared interest, which was the you know the best interest of the little one, That's and to right. be able and to. And it's really hard, I think, for the birth family sometimes to have a connection with the foster carers because, in their eyes, you've got their baby or you've got their young child. Yeah. And so sometimes they may think of you maybe as a bad person or the enemy. Or, yeah. you know, why should you get them and not me? Why should you be you be you know exploring all these beautiful things and, you know, being able to see all these milestones and I can't. Clearly you were able to, to build a sense of trust and Yeah. And and, yeah. Confidence and look it doesn't and, happen overnight and as I said, it sometimes may not happen. Yeah. But when it does, it's so powerful and it's it's so lovely. What do you say to people who want to foster uh, but feel like they might get too attached? Well, if you don't get attached, then it's not the right thing for you. Yeah. <laughs> like, really? Like, if you don't give your heart and soul 
do it. Like, you know, we're asked to take these young children and babies into our lives and love them like they're our own. And I guess if you can't do that, then it's probably not the right journey for you. You know, these these little people need loving and that's that's what you're there for. And yes, there'll be tears of joy and tears of anger and tears of sadness, but I th- think that's what makes an amazing carer. You put everything into these children. So I would say if you have spare time or even if it's just a weekend, a month, to help children, then I would consider foster care because it will change your life. That's amazing. Yeah. Cool. Thank you so much for coming in today, Danny, and, and sharing you. your experiences. Thank you for having me. It's been good. Really, really um, grateful. Thank you. Check it out. Hi, Gemma. How are you today? Good, thanks, Josh. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Gemma, if I could just start by, by asking your, your age. Yeah, so I'm mid-40s. Um, I'm actually 44 years old. Um, and we've been foster caring for 10 years now. So. Oh, wow. That's, yeah. that's quite a long time. Um, and what type of care do you provide? So we actually have sh- um, long-term children as well as short-term children. And um, mostly what I'm talking to you today about is what we do in crisis care, which is short-term. So you could get the call in the middle of the night or, you know, that day and suddenly you've got children <laughs> into your home that day. It sounds quite urgent, but I bet there's quite a bit of preparation that, that goes into getting you ready for, for crisis care. Well, yeah, you definitely have a lot of training and you definitely get comfortable with um, the team at ACT Together. So over time, you start to work with them and um, you learn a lot of new things. And one of my biggest fears was how do you make a child comfortable? You know, you get this call and suddenly there's a child appearing at your house for dinner and you've never met them before. And how do you make them comfortable? And we've had children from right from newborn straight from the hospital through to 16. So, you know, there's a whole range of different ages and experiences and you want to make them as comfortable as you can when they come into your home. And so my biggest question when I first started was, how do you make these kids comfortable? But it's just like how you make anyone comfortable. You just talk to them. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Read them and, and, you know, and sort of see, do they want to talk or do they want some privacy? Do they just want to ease into it? And every kid is different. Some kids will talk your ear off from the moment they arrive and that's their coping mechanism. And other kids will just, you know, want to go and sit in the room and kind of quieten. And then, you know, about half a day or a day later, they gradually get more comfortable with you and that's just like normal people as well yeah it totally is it's so true for for everyone and why do you foster what why is fostering important to you do you know it's really funny i had never really thought about having kids until i met my partner and when she said to me i want to be a mum, i was like oh, okay let's have a think about this and so we um i i read all these books on you know like lesbian conception and and different things and, I, and it, one of the things was you know obviously adoption and foster care and I sort of went had you ever thought of that and she said no I hadn't and so I rang and made a few phone calls went to an information session and just went okay this is this is what I want to do if we're going to be doing this then I'd like to be able to help and um yeah it's been really wonderful great so the the journey started as a as a couple yes that's amazing how do you balance foster care with uh, long-term and biological children yeah um we so we have five kids that are ours forever, um, and that's a mix of bio and um, and foster children, and 
look, they love it. They keep asking, um, you know, whenever we haven't had children come and go for a little while, they'll say, when are we getting the next kid? Could you make a phone call? Could you get a kid? <laughs> they, they just think of it as a big play thing, you know, that kids that they can play with. Um, but no, really, um, we, we talk to them about the fact that, you know, these kids, we're looking after them until they can find a more permanent home. And they actually love it. They, you know, they will introduce them as their pretend brother or pretend sister when they meet people out. And, you know, they talk about it quite openly. And um, it, it can be a juggle. It can be a juggle. Like you get that phone call, you don't get a lot of notice. And so suddenly, you know, your whole life, you're thinking about, okay, what have we got on tomorrow? Okay, how are we going to juggle this and this? Um, but you can make it work. And so, and, and you get a lot of support from Act Together. It's great that they're really enthusiastic about it, about it too. <laughs> Sibling on demand. <laughs> they love it, yeah. And why is keeping uh, siblings together important? Oh, I mean, could you imagine being uprooted from your family and then taken also from your sibling? So if, you, if you're removed with your sibling, I think it's just a thing that, you know, it's nice for them. It's a comfort. I always think having siblings is actually easier than having one foster child so when a sibling group when we get a phone call for a sibling group often I know it's harder to place them but I'm like yes <laughs> because that means that they've got their comfort already they're, they're already um, feeling like okay there's someone I know here someone I trust here and then gradually they build the, the trust with everyone else so sibling groups can actually be a really good um a good way for people to ease into foster care, actually, even though people think, oh, no, one child will be easier. Often yeah. it's actually doing, you know, having the sibling group will be a lot easier. Yeah, because earlier on you were talking about kind of, you know, giving them space to to get that sense of safety and reaching out to connection. So I guess kind of having... Yeah, having siblings would just, just kind of help with that process. Yeah. yeah, just because they can look and they... And also I've noticed that sometimes they'll look to see how their siblings are reacting to the situation. And so if their siblings more relaxed than they are, um, you know, particularly younger children will look at their siblings, their older siblings, and if they're looking relaxed or chatting, then gradually they'll, you know, they'll start chatting too and it'll become a lot easier for them. And it must be um, incredibly satisfying and rewarding you know when a, a child is is in a crisis situation to be able to to step in and 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 provide that that security and and safety for them absolutely and i think that's the biggest thing that we get um in terms of feedback people say oh, i'd love to do it but i just haven't got the heart to do it i can't let them go i couldn't have them for a short time i actually think it can be really rewarding to have them for a short time i mean there's obviously a place to have children for a long time too but i think um, don't underestimate the impact you can have, whether that be in one day or six months or two years or whatever it is. And we've had children from anywhere from one day, one night, through to two years that have gone home. Um, and the impact that you're having is that you are giving them a safe space and you are giving them comfort and um, someone that they can talk to in the, the biggest crisis point in their lives. So to me, that is what we really do it for. The crisis care is so critical in terms of, you know, this is the biggest crisis in their life. They're, they're young people. You imagine the stress and trauma it would cause them. And so to have someone there at the end, you know, to say to them, actually, it's okay and I'm here and you can trust me and you can feel relaxed here and you're safe here. And I think that's the most important thing and that that's the real, really rewarding thing and that's the thing that gets us answering the phone all the time. <laughs> Gemma, I really appreciate you coming in. Thank you, thank you for your time with us today. Thanks, Josh.
Uh, my name is Mick, and I work at the College of Business and Economics at ANU, and I am a foster parent. Thanks for coming along. Um, how long have you been been a foster carer? We were approved in January of 2019, my partner Georgie and I, and um, the day after that we were approved, we got a placement. <laughs> Wow. So since uh, January of 2019, we've been foster parents. Um, what, ty- <laughs> what type of care do you and Georgie provide, Mick? Uh, well, we signed up for two different types. One is called concurrent, and that is for children from birth to age three that are um, in close contact with their parents, and there is a very strong, uh, I guess, push for them to be reunited with their birth family. So that's called concurrent care yep. because you have... You know, you never know how it's going to go. Either they're going to be reunited with their family or they might be with you for 18 years. So that's sort of where you are concurrently. The other type of care we signed up for is called long-term. And with the long-term care, that's when you have children that you know are going to be on orders until they're 18 years old. And that's the type of placement that we have now. How did you, like, what was the, the training and assessment process like? So we were in the first group that did uh, training in uh, three consecutive weekends. Uh, normally it's it's spread out um, for over a much longer time. So uh, we were sort of a test group that they were doing like really quickly. And um, the training touches on so many topics and so many things. And there's there's so much information that they try to give you because it's such a wide range of what you might encounter. So, you know, every, you know, from drug exposed infants to teenagers that, you know, have um, run away. And there's just there's such a wide variety of situations you could be in. And they try to touch on everything, which is awesome because they really try to, to give you a good idea of what it might be like. But every experience is different. And so while the training's as awesome as it can be, you will have to do more research and reading on your own once you understand how your experience is going to be. So once you have a placement and you understand what your um, your needs are and what you need to, <laughs> to research, you're going to have to do more research. The, the training can't prepare you for everything. Are there any heartwarming moments or a heartwarming moment of fostering in so you'd like to share? <laughs> it's, it's hard to pick one, to be honest. But I think the the most heartwarming and, and the most relatable was um, our first placement. Uh, we got to celebrate his third birthday with him. And uh, he was really into trucks, so we got him this gigantic dump truck. <laughs> but it's really difficult to wrap a dump truck. <laughs> so we were looking around for a box, and we just bought a new bin for the kitchen. And that box was perfect. <laughs> So we put the truck in the in the box that had a picture of a kitchen bin on the outside of it and wrapped it up. And so the morning of his birthday, he comes out and we're like, you know, look at these presents. These are all for you. And he couldn't he couldn't even like take it all in. You know, he was just like overwhelmed. And so we said, you know, just pick one and we'll open one and we'll, we'll deal with that. And so, of course, he picked the biggest one. As we all would. Right? It's not silly. Um, so he goes, he starts ripping the paper off and he sees the picture of, of the bin. And he's ecstatic. He's like, thank you, thank you, it's a bin. And we were like, oh no, it's not a bin. (laughs) But he was just overjoyed at getting a bin. Yeah. And it was just, you know, and then he he opened the box up and it was a truck and that was even better. (laughs) 
Um, but just like his pure joy at being gifted a bin. It was just, it was, it was heartbreaking and heartwarming and, and so touching. What do you hope the children in your care will, will learn from you? I have the same hopes and dreams for the kids that are in our care as I do for my older kids. And that's that they will be self-sufficient adults that can have supportive, loving relationships. That's all I want. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it sounds really basic, but that's all you need. You know, if you're, if you're self-sufficient, you can take care of yourself and you can recognize the people that are able to appreciate you and love you for who you are. That's all you need in life. Yeah, totally. And with a base of that unconditional love you were talking about, you know, you're well on your way. Tell me, how can you love a child who, who might have to leave or who might leave? How can you not? I mean, kids are, are awesome and they need love. I think the harder thing to deal with is the heartbreak when they do leave. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't have any, any problems actually loving the child for as long as we have them. It's uh, dealing with your feelings after they go. Now, our first two little guys went to an awesome family member out of state. Like, and they are happy and they are thriving and it's a wonderful thing and they're with their family of origin, which is the goal of fostering, really. I mean, the you know, we're there when they need us, but then the goal is to re reunite them with their family. Yeah. And, and we knew that going in. So, yeah, it's, it's not hard to love a child that needs you. Thank you very much. I really, really appreciate it. Um, well, my name's Dan. Um, I currently care for six foster kids. Um, we have uh, five in long-term care and one that is on a restoration plan at the moment. Um, my partner and I have been fostering for five years. Um, yeah, so I guess in a nutshell, that's, that's, that's it. Quite a big nutshell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and what type of care have you provided? You just touched on touched on that there, but what type of care have you provided historically? Yeah, I think we've touched on pretty much all types. So we've done crisis care, um, short-term care, concurrent care, long-term care. Um, and yeah, at the moment we're doing that, uh, I guess, the restoration, which is, which is a new one for us. So we're, um, again, it's a type of concurrency, but um, it's the first time that we've actually I guess, working towards restoring back to the biological family, um, which has been um, a really good experience. Never a dull moment at all in the house. Yeah, I bet, I bet there isn't. No. <laughs> um, and why do you foster? Like, why is fostering important to you? Um, well, I guess originally, um, just out of the need or want to have children. Um, so we went and did a, went to a, uh, surrogacy seminar type thing and then there was someone there talking about fostering so then we started exploring that um, and I guess after exploring that a little bit more um, we kind of just decided that there was a lot of local kids that needed help um, so instead of bringing others into the world there's other other kids here that, that needed our help um, so that's what like originally um, set us down that path um, and well, we wouldn't change anything at all. Like it's worked out really well for us. Um, and uh, 
it's also, I guess, um, to see how much the kids change when they first come into care. Um, you can tell that their self-esteem's like shot. Yeah. Um, and uh, self-worth, like they've got a lot of a lot of a lot of struggles going on inside. And I think over time, um, just with some love, time, and boundaries, you can see that see that shift. Like when we we're talking talking originally about fostering, um, we were told, "Oh, you know, you can't. It'll be difficult to to love kids like your own, and like if if they're foster kids, and that's f- like the furthest from the truth. Like it doesn't take long at all to start forming a bond with them, um, and you see them as your own, you protect them as your own, and like you do anything for them. Like so, I'd say like as a myth, that's probably one of the biggest myths like for us going into it. Yeah. It sounds like with these kids you'd have many great stories about fostering. Is there one in particular that we've even shared some, but is there another that, that stands out for you? Um, I can think of one because it's most recent. We took on a 15, 15-year-old boy a uh, year and a half ago, um, and we had this uh, young person for respite for a couple of years, on and off. Um, they their current placement um, broke down, so they ended up moving in with us um, because they wanted to come back, which was great. Um, so I think beginning of last year they came back, and in that time between coming back and um, probably middle of next year, they've um, had a discussion with us because they identified as trans. Yeah. Um, and you could tell it was a relief to be able to tell someone. Um, and I actually asked um, our child on the weekend if it was okay to talk about this. And she said yes, because now she's known as she. Um, she said yes, because she would like other foster kids to know that if they're having trouble um, in their own skin or they're identifying as something else, that just because you're a foster child doesn't mean that you can't raise it or try and be who you are. Yeah. Um, so when we initially had that discussion with her, um, we obviously have to go through the whole motions because of um, hormone replacement and all that type of stuff. And it's not easy in the foster system to do that. You have, you have to jump through hoops, paperwork, um, all sorts of stuff. Um, and it takes quite a while. Um, but on Friday, we actually got the news that um, hormone replacement was approved um, and when we told her she, like, she doesn't say much at the best of times but you could just see the relief on her face yeah. that like you know wow this is finally happening um, but yeah like it's those moments when like, like they don't say much but you can just see in their face or in their eyes that that they're happy sorry I'm getting a little bit shaky because it makes me teary but yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah so that's like the most recent story but yeah it's those stories that make you do what you do. Yeah, that's incredibly powerful in our in our work here. We we know how hard it can be for for people to step forward and say this is who I am and you yeah. know be recognised for who they are and it, uh, to you know clearly you're creating a beautiful, safe, trusting environment where you know this young person well she feels comfortable to be herself. Thanks, thanks for sharing your story. It's really powerful. No worries. Cheers, Dan. Thanks. 
For more information, visit our website at meridianact.org.au. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Or become a member of the Meridian family. Until next time, check it out.